Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to an extra special episode of the Sales Off Team Mystified podcast. It's special for two reasons. This is the first time we've ever had two people live in the studio. Sales up sandwich. <laughs> and the second reason is also the first time we've had a recruitment company here. And we were just discussing before about the challenges that sales ops may, or, or almost maybe the non-existence of sales ops departments in recruitment companies. And we have a very interesting story here because Natasha and Kimberly actually created the sales ops department in Austin Fraser, the recruitment company. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having <laughs> us. Um, and so we're going to kick off with the first question. How do you guys get into sales ops? It's quite an interesting route that Austin Fraser and you guys have taken. Sure. Shall I go? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so I've been with Austin Fraser for nine years this year. Um, I actually came in through the sales route like straight from university, so I've only mm. actually, actually ever worked for Austin Fraser. I know no different. Um, <laughs> but we're quite a progressive company, so I've kind of worked up from a training level to like a senior level, I got into a sort of team leadership group where I had quite a small team of three people. Um, and about 18 months ago, I transferred internally to our central services function. Essentially, I was kind of project managing some quite key like business projects. So that included things like um, our GDPR project. That was actually a really good opportunity for me because it allowed me to interact with every stakeholder in the business, and kind of learn what was working for them, not working for them, spotting opportunities. Um, whilst delivering that project. Um, but I suppose equally things like a HubSpot integration from a systems point of view um, and some other tools along the way. So mm-hmm. that kind of was quite a good starting block to start to understand, hang on here, where's the opportunities, where's the gaps, like what's what's kind of cause and effect on how we're working collectively as a business. And then I suppose when you came back from maternity leave, we started Hi. to work more closely together and I'll let you pick up from there. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so yeah, so I've been at Austin Fraser for seven years. Um, have done a number of jobs, so joined in learning and development, set up their learning and development function, then set up their people and culture function, and decided, hey, let's set something else up. <laughs> it's just what I did. Mm. Uh, no, so I um, stepped away from, I guess, the, the people and culture focus, and started to, I had a hunger to get back into more of a commercially focused role as well. Um, and I guess, yeah, similar to Kim, I came back from maternity last year, was handed lots of lovely projects um, and realised the theme across these projects 
is sales operations. It's actually how we maximise our sales tools. How are we, um, you know, actually using them effectively? Are they fit for purpose? Um, just controlling them, maintaining them, all of that stuff is what was handed to us. So we've been unofficially working on it since, well, September, really, yeah. officially together, and then um, put the business case together mm. for this new financial year to have a sales function. Hi, we were born 1st of March. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So it got officially recognised by the business on the 1st of March of this yes. year. Yes. And, and you have the, the financial year budget signed off. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we've got uh, uh, five key objectives for this year mm. that would take us to... Um, the end of this financial period, which this year is a short period because we're moving our financial okay. periods. Yeah. Um, very confusing. So basically by the end of October, we've got quite a lot of stuff to, to, to do. deliver. To do, yeah. yeah. But you're also hiring for a... At the moment, for this financial period, we've only got to sign off for one person, which is a okay. graduate replacement. So if anyone out there wants to join yeah, us... for sure. Uh, so... We're looking for an analyst to join us and mm -hmm. help create um, return on investment, um, basically reporting structure across our whole business. Is there a job description for that that we can share? Totally, yeah. For sure. yeah. So we'll we'll be, it will be linked somewhere below this video slash audio. Um, okay, cool. And one question about that. Yes. So you guys were like doing sales operations projects together. They weren't labeled that. Yeah. How did you realize that actually this was sales operations? Did you like Google, you were doing some forecasting, you're like sales forecasting, and then you saw all this stuff about this is actually sales operations? Or I think it's just more evolutionary actually, because I, I think. I've, as I said, I've been doing project stuff for 18 months, but I suppose through that work, I've been speaking to suppliers and they're kind of going, hey, guys, we can get some training or we should maybe look at this in a different way. And I think I didn't actually know what sales operations was, I'll be completely, mm. completely honest, and it wasn't until really we kicked off like a big BI project. We started opening a can of worms and going down different routes, reading different things, and that's mm. kind of when we started to learn this is a thing. And we okay. realised there was such confusion around who owned what, who was taking accountability for what, mm. who was driving what, and we realised there is no one doing that, actually. Let's look at this. Hang on, the themes are our sales tools, our sales yeah. tech stack. Um, and driving efficiency. Yeah, driving efficiency, tech measuring process. it. Um, mm. You know, if we get to a point where we're re um, looking to renew a contract with a supplier, it's like, oh, um, do, we, do we need this? Is it Has it worked? Or uh, it's just gut, it's been gut feel yeah. historically. Um, oh, yeah, we, we definitely got some stuff from that. Yeah, let's go for it. Um, whereas now, just over, just I guess, bring us together the last couple of months, we're able to pull out. Actually, this is what we've got from it. This is mm -hmm. what's worked. This is our recommendations. So then we can make informed decisions as a business, yeah. whether we renew a tool or not. And on that point, what is the current sales tech stack? Wow. <laughs> so we <laughs> Which have... country? <laughs> yeah. So I think, as kind of Nella yeah. was alluding to, we've got quite a patchwork quilt. I think yeah. from a common ground perspective we use bullhorn the crm which is like recruitment specific for um, everybody correct yeah that's so right how many countries are we in and how many people just... we have three countries and yeah. we have 152 sales staff yeah yeah 200 so... staff and how many office locations so we're in three countries we've got three offices in america, america. we're just about to open two more mm. um over the next six months yeah, cool. um we've got three offices in germany okay which we will be hopefully opening another one in the next 12 months or so. And then we've got um, Reading in the UK as our headquarters for the whole UK. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. um, so the ratio, I've been trying to track the, the operations personnel to salespeople ratio. This is one of the highest, 1 to 75. I think we've had before 1 to 80. He was actually a guest, I think it was Matthias, who was yeah. a, he was on the chat. Um, so there's two of you, there's 155 salespeople. Currently, over, over soon three. to be 
well, as Fizzy staff, we're gonna, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but we're going to grow the Selvers apart, yeah. aren't we? Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think you um, know. I'm old very quickly. <laughs> over three countries, um, Bullhorn is used throughout. Correct. Yeah. And what else? So we also globally use Broadbean, which is like a parsing yeah. tech tool, uh, Insight Squared is our BI tool. Yeah. Um, and then we've got kind of a, a few different ones, country to country. So obviously in, the, in Germany, we use Ebster. Um, we don't use that anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, we've got things like Sourcebreaker uh, in the US and the UK, but not in Germany. So what does Sourcebreaker do? Sourcebreaker is uh, quite a cool um, that kind of candidate parsing technology. So it's like smart searching. So mm -hmm. it just basically kind of allows you to um, do like one wider reach search of your candidates and leads basically and will allow you to kind of compare job boards and through your system so it's just more of like a enablement tool yeah. wider reaching tool so we can catch people quicker and faster it's cool. cool and obviously as of last week globally we now have Audra as a sales Which, tool the video thing yeah yes can you talk a little bit about that it's pretty cool it's very cool yeah so um so i guess the way of the world everything's becoming more video um even our internal comms um so for those of you that Follow us on Instagram or on LinkedIn. Would have seen yesterday we did our second all hands comms, which is where our CEO talks to every country, every office live, um, and we actually broadcast it live. But if anyone else externally wanted to see it as well, which nice. was really cool, yeah. So just the way of the world, the way of our business is going more video. Um, so we started to consider different um, video recruitment tools that we could utilize with clients and um, enable them to have that service when they're recruiting. Um, so after much consideration, we went with Audro, who and are amazing. Were you guys driving that? Yeah, so we kind of owned the project from start to finish. So yeah. this is your baby? It's our first baby. <laughs> yeah, the first child. First, our first child. <laughs> well, so where it came from originally was, um, so our CDO, who is one of our co-founders, um, mm. Dell, Derek Simpson, he um, was tapped up by Audrey, classic BD, yeah. um, and he was like, I just, I know this is something we need. Mm. Um, but, you know, He's like, what do I do with this? Where do I go with it? He's our CDO. He hasn't got the time to be dealing with this. Again, yeah. another reason for a sales operations function like ours. Hello. Um, the dream team. Yeah. yeah, and we brought it alive. So after considering other, um, I guess, suppliers, we've gone with Audro because it is just so easy. But what I love about it is there's two elements. One is the offering a video interview. You can do it, you know, offer a, a private mm -hmm. conference room, if you like, for candidates and clients with no need to kind of sign up to anything. Um, but what we also love is the capture, which is basically a business development element where you record yourself mm -hmm. and you send it via LinkedIn or you send it on email. And the impact within, well, so today we've had our first deal off the back of it. Um, on one week. week. Yeah. yeah. So nice. our eyes looking good. Yeah. Loving it. We like keep doing it. Keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. So at the, at the moment, we've got a variety of tech that is, is global and local. And I guess that's off the back of historically, if you are head of sales in that country, you've had a lot of autonomy to just buy what you want when you want because it's sat within your budget. Yeah. Um, and I guess with the creation of us, we're now kind of going, okay, Man. cool. Do we need that? How are you using it? What's yeah. working? What's not working? Actually, are you the best person to make that decision now? Yeah. Or are you a key stakeholder? Um, yeah. I, think so to add, I think to add to that as well, where the guys in sales are naturally really busy, we've got large teams now. We have see more of a focus to be able to go how do we get more out of it yeah. so actually that whole marginal gains piece of going right okay if we can get 10 percent or squeeze 10 percent more mm. out of that actually what's the knock-on effect on the bottom line which yeah. is obviously a massive value add from a business yeah. from efficiency and a yeah. profitability point of view if you have 150 sales people and you make them like two percent 100 yeah then it's big gains um okay moving on to from video to data quality yeah how are we currently dealing with that 
It's a good question. I think, it's a really, I think data quality is actually a really interesting topic. Mm. And I think as a our business, no one's specifically owned it. Um, okay. Like we have quite a, you've got a 50 strong central services team, like in the finance, commercial, legal, mm. um, you know, the sales, ta- sort of talent, L&D. Yeah. Um, and I suppose everyone in their own pockets have been like responsible or accountable for quality. Um, we haven't really looked at it from like a holistic business perspective. Um, I mean, we do like, we put it in our training, like we have quite a vigorous training. Like we kind of have the saying, if it's no, it's not tracked, it's not fact. And that's kind mm. of a bit of a, a funny thing to try and drive that behavior. But exactly. I think what I quite find quite interesting about data quality is that it all comes back to what does good actually look like? Mm. And that can vary massively depending on who the individual is who the business is, who the team is. Mm. And I suppose having looked at a lot of stuff and tried to read on it, I've always tried, I've never found an answer to what good looks like. It's always been why it's important. Mm. Um, So I think it's us going through that process, you know, with the right people, commercial, marketing, sales, to define what good looks like. And then we can get to that point where we can police it a little bit more. So that is one of our big projects for this year and next year. So we're about to, we literally just this week have commenced, I guess, one of our biggest objectives, which is a CRM review. So as a sales ops team, we need to present to the exec team at the end of this financial period what our recommendations are for the CRM and those things connected mm. to it. Other than um, fridging away, potentially fridging away from board. Um, that is one option. Um, not the preferred option. Not the preferred, no, just because it is embedded and it is yeah. recruitment specific and it's like it's a market leader. Yeah. But it, it, it hasn't been reconfigured for many years. We currently have four instances. So we don't have a global CRM. We have one for each country Mm. which is now as we're growing is massively limiting our ability to offer a global approach to a client that's just horrendous so you know option one a different CRM option two is we stay as we are but we clean it up with more of an AF um, best practice or standard if you like and then or C is we bring them together um so yeah so I think decisions to be made big decisions we've got between now and October to, to research that cost okay. that come up with timelines and everything else I've got the joy of presenting that to the exec team in yeah. October okay. um, and I guess along with that that for me is as we then start that project quality is going to be coming into that um, what our standards are what should be our configuration what is mandatory what's the level that we expect you know if you speak to a client what's the what's the minimal the minimum you should be putting on the, the database with regards to that call um, and you're going to be driving that project once it gets the proof that's going to be yours. I don't know if I want to say that live. <laughs> <laughs> podcast. I, I think we, I think we will be the drivers behind that. Yeah. But there are a number of key people. So, for example, our commercial and legal team are actually starting to build a quality team. Um, so, our commercial and legal team have contractor care, which I guess is that the aftercare for a lot of our. Yeah. All our contractors are out working for us in clients, so they may play a big part in in this. We've also got our VP of. Um, finance um who is just about to move to america um just his financial and analytical mind he's going to be a key um project mm-hmm. um team member as well yeah. so this is going to be a collective yeah and i just think for anything like this to land you need to do it as a collective otherwise it won't um i want to focus on influencing salespeople now um okay. so almost every interview i do someone will mention how important it is to develop soft skills that can get people to do things. Mm-hmm. So you guys just uh, brought out this video tool mm-hmm. and it seems like adoption is going well. How did you do that? So I guess there are two, there, there's two things. I guess the first thing that we're really, really lucky to have and we can't rest on it is our is our background. We've both 
come from recruitment. We've both done recruitment. I've been in it 12 years. Kim's been in it nine. Mm -hmm. So, um, and Kim's obviously done it. She's been amongst the troops with the guys. Uh, So I think that helps us massively. We speak their language. And also when we look at something, we go, well, that doesn't work. You know, so we're not, we're not coming at it from a, from an analytical or a a project manager or or BA perspective. Mm -hmm. Like we're coming from a, from a, uh, I guess, a sales perspective. Um, Like you you have credibility in their eyes because you've done it for like eight years. Yeah. I think fundamentally having like worked in sales for quite a long time and the way I see our our role is ultimately to make their job easier and more efficient so they have more opportunity to make more money. That's that's what what they care about, right? Those people care about making more money. You talk their language. Talk their language, yeah. Yeah, but but, that's that. But but I also think that's what, so if I think about what, so I think my my strap line on my LinkedIn at the top is Mm. about enabling our our salespeople to be the best that they can be. So, whether you know, if, if to the best of them is I'm going to make the most money, cool. But for some people, that's not their driver. Yeah. Some it's about they genuinely want to be the best and deliver the best service or whatever. So and I, I feel like anything we do in sales ops should not be limiting. It should absolutely. So I think you said earlier it's about um, removing, improving. Yeah. So what do we, what does it add? What does it improve? Or what does it remove? Are kind mm. of the three key questions that anything that we onboard, we need to go, what, yeah. how, does it, how does this enable us to raise the bar? Because we are constantly a, yeah. a type of company that we like to raise the bar uh, often. Um, I think also it's about um, also I guess because we've done it, I've done L and D and Kim's obviously trained stuff as well. I think that's a big part as well. Yeah. How do you land something? How mm. do you bring the audience on board? So again, we've, we've kind of got that experience, which is great. But I think you said their adoption has gone well. Like yeah, like we're having some wins from it after week one. But actually, um, we know there could be more. So even mm. today, before we came, the last thing we did was we we. We pulled all the leaders into a room. We booked a meeting, 30-minute meeting with all the leaders. And we just had a really open conversation to go, cool, we've had it a week. Um, is the usage where we want it to be? No, it's, it's not what we all agreed. So um, what more do you need from us? What more do you need from the supplier? What's stopping you from, from pushing this out? Just just asking the questions. They came up with some really valuable feedback on things that we can learn. Um, and also telling us what more they would need from us. But also then them going, actually, we probably should do some more of this ourselves. So I think it's like don't shy away for yeah. it. Like, if stuff's not working just have a conversation about it like we could have left it another week but you know catch it while mm-hmm. what's that saying yeah. catch it while it's hot I mean like <laughs> me and my sayings <laughs> I think if we like taking Nodra as an example we've been really keen to take like everyone on a journey from like starting with top down yeah mm. so like we've you know agreed clear very clear like how do we want to use it like how do we want, what do we want to get out of it what's it going to offer to our candidates our clients our communities yeah. our consultants um and really having those conversations top down so we can articulate that in the right way from a training point of view or from a management point of view and just make sure that everyone's on point with the message of why we're trying to use it because we already had in our mind why would you use it and what we think it should be but it's yeah. about then engaging them mm-hmm. and then ultimately come up with something that yeah. Do you currently have a process for onboarding new consultants? I think we're we're really um, fortunate where we have like a, a solid L and D team. Uh, this was your work, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's changed a lot now since um, since I did. We've had we've got some really great people in there now. They're just mm. smashing out of the park. So, so if I join a consultant, I have a, a structured program. Yeah, absolutely. So you'd have so if you're a consultant, you'd have a like a a welcome week or yeah. specific onboarding plans. So obviously the most most of the people we recruit into the business are salespeople. Um, but if you were like you know, a sales ops person, you'd have mm. a slightly different onboarding plan. But I think from the sales perspective, they then have quite a vigorous um yeah like training 
um, schedule, if you like. So we call it S1. So that's really like all the technical elements to their role, mm-hmm. um, all the selling elements to their role. So like how you pitch, how you have, like how you converse with a client, um, objection handling, for example. Mm-hmm. And but it doesn't just stop there. Like it is all practical. They have to, you know, like a bit of an apprenticeship, apprenticeship pack, if you like. So make sure they've signed off their competencies that they work on with their manager. Mm-hmm. They have like a, um, you know, a, a kind of mentor on desk or a manager to support that. I think um, we before um, we went live. Um, I guess we were talking about um, a recruitment business and you know having a sales operations yeah. function within a recruitment business. I think where maybe we've kind of been late on the uptake of a sales ops function in comparison mm-hmm. to other sales organisations, because um, we obviously were saying that a lot of the sales companies we've heard on here or at the meetups that we've been going to are. Uh, they're not recruitment businesses. Sales ops seems to be like one of the first functions that they're kind of bringing in. <laughs> yeah. For uh, I guess where we've maybe not done that, one of the things we absolutely do is is invest in the people side. So we've had L and mean, from the word go, yeah. basically as a business. So it's it's very ma- mature yeah. our L and D offering. Do you think that's more um, that's more common in recruitment companies? That's yeah. Uh, from my experience, you talent. start a recruitment company, yeah, you get in the talent acquisition and consultant who normally covers both L and D and talent acquisition. Yeah. Once it gets bigger, they then split those two. That okay. seems to be yeah. what I what I see a lot. Sure. Yeah, it's I about think, I guess developing the sales guys to be the best sales guys they can mm-hmm. be, um, no matter what tools they've got. Yeah. yeah, I think what I love about the L and D function is not just like the onboarding piece. We have programs throughout the duration of that individual's career. So it would be like, right, okay, you're a trainee. Then you get to consult, and then you get to senior mm-hmm. principal leadership training. Like it's you're the whole way yeah. through. Um, Our recruitment companies are really good at this. We, we just have a question from the audience. Sure. Okay. I'm just going to get up. Um, oh, hi guys, from Liam. Hi. Hi, hi Liam. How are you? <laughs> if you have any questions, anybody watching, just ping them in the chat. Um, okay, cool. So summary. Recruitment companies normally have the onboarding pretty much nailed down. One more, more question. Not, not for every recruitment company, yeah. but, um, but Austin Fraser. I definitely get the impression that's something where they invest first. Yeah, Austin Fraser is, yeah, nails it. Um, how long would you typically expect it from someone joining to them like being 90% productive? Um, I think we try and get people up and running in three months, but I, from experience, I would say for someone to be really good at their trade, it takes 12 to 18 months. Um, you know, I think the the beauty of it, and it's probably the same for other sales businesses, you can go as quickly or slowly as, as you need to, but I think that three month is like, cool, let's get you contributing, um, and trained, et cetera, but actually to be at that kind of next layer level from a senior point onwards, you need to sort of have 18 months on. Sure. Um, Okay, so you currently have 155 salespeople in three countries. Yep. What are you doing to try and boost their productivity? Good question. So, um, so purely from a sales ops perspective. Yeah, just like what are you, what are you two doing? Cool. So I guess um, there's been so much that we've been looking at. I guess mm-hmm. so. If I take if I take a step back so the first thing we want to do is okay what tools have we actually got yeah who are our suppliers and what what can we get from our suppliers that we're not already getting so um so for example i know a number of our suppliers actually offer us free training and free consultancy to come and enable us to maximize those tools that we've never ever never done before um so we're starting to have conversations and build those relationships with suppliers because we've never had them we've Mm -hmm. kind of like been working with them for years 
um, Ebster is an example of that, <laughs> where we kind of been, we had you guys for years and we're just yeah. kind of plodding on, but actually what more could we be learning from you to maximise that tool? Yeah. And then actually passing that knowledge on to the sales guys in yeah. whatever format that is appropriate. So whether that be passing out onto L&D so that it is literally gospel when it's in there forever, mm. whether that be kind of one-off workshops so already for example with Odro we've kind of done that basic training to roll it out um, but we're already talking about once it's kind of people are up and running with it in six weeks time there'll be a, a sales ops led um, short sharp training sessions maybe that that but are but with this the sales leaders yeah so we can kind of like partner oh, yeah. up and do it yeah. um, so I guess yeah maximizing our tools utilizing supplier information and supplier knowledge um, is a big one yeah. um, and yeah, run run into training sessions ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess it's it's also about knowledge. So at the moment, a number of our sales tools we just use. Um, LinkedIn Recruiter mm-hmm. is a, is a is one of our most costly tools that we have across our business. Everyone uses it. Everyone uses it. Everyone knows we get business from it. But, but up until um, sales ops was put together. Well, actually, the month before we put together, mm-hmm. Kim for the first time actually pulled off a, the dashboard. Mm-hmm. and shared it with people to show you know what key things are great and in, mm-hmm. in terms of how we're using it but also what what we're not doing yeah. and i think that's the thing is 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 information so then as a leader i can then make a call on actually what can i do with my guys yeah. to drive this so for example you know right our email response back from people is is lower than actually we'd like it to be or lower than the recommended amount from linkedin which again what's that supposed to be do we even yeah. know what that is yeah so yeah so for me it's those I think, three yeah and i think that i can add to that like where the hat's disconnect between sales and L&D has been before. It's like, cool, sales, they've owned it, they've implemented it, they do sales, but L&D train it. But actually, what information are we capturing and feeding back so we can catch trends early, so we can yeah. loop that back into L&D, so we can yeah. loop that back into sales, to, so actually it doesn't become an issue. Like, longer, like this, we can catch it early and we can deal with it earlier, basically. Yeah. So would you say that a core part of your role is going to these tools, understanding actually what's happening in the data, what no one was doing that before, and then using that to make decisions to make people more productive. Drive so. decisions, drive drive behaviours, um, basically. But um, there is so much more we could be doing. Um, I guess, you know, the reality is we've been going officially for three months. And in that three months, we've had a lot of other stuff to, do. um, to be doing. Yeah, and I, but I think once we're kind of up and running and we've got some of these big projects off our plate, I guess that the BAU stuff, mm. for me, like the, the, you know, how regular we um, sharing ROI on all our tools and reports and everything else and what information and what education are we giving I think that we need to map all that out still mm-hmm. um, so yeah so ask that question again in 18 <laughs> yeah, months I'll be able to say loads more <laughs> um, are you currently or like what are the KPIs that you're currently focusing on that was a wild question by the way I got that through this morning I was like whoa and um, I think the KPIs we, we sort of layer it I suppose because mm-hmm. you can have, like we did a investigation, didn't we, a few months ago? Well, wow. yeah, yeah, Insight Squared. I think we worked out like 180 different metrics we capture oh, wow. from all the spreadsheets that we got from people. Yeah. Um, I suppose part of that process for us was going, what's what's yeah, important? Well, yeah. And I suppose what our, to be fair, like our CRO was kind of already working on some of this stuff, but we've now got layers. So, like mm. our high performing teams, we talk a lot about like yield per head and deal per head, um, which is obviously how many deals per head is a sales rep contributing yeah. and yield is like how much have they build in sales um obviously divide across the team so yeah. that's what we 
determine a high performing team and they talk about that a lot yeah. they're the two top level um figures that you'll hear kind of your brand directors talking about your mm-hmm. cro all the, the cheeses that we talk about so that yield per head and yield per head. Head. yeah so, the reason there's two is that yield is you know yield is obviously value yeah um so the higher the value the higher the performance but deals is about consistency so you could have oh, a yeah. consultant which has done you know 25 grand for example but mm. one deal and that's great but is that consistent so if they're doing you know two deals at mm. 20 that's kind of it's kind of quality yeah and volume basically yeah and you get that data per team level so you'd have that say a team of four consultants you'd have the year per head and deals per head for that team yeah and we probably include their manager as well oh really nice yeah and so you have a leaderboard for the teams that that is that not included in that sales report that we've, yeah. we've so yes you're right is yes so we kind of so our cro um became cro probably what, a year ago yeah um and i guess with him moving into that role there's been a lot of um change around kind of what we're reporting what kpis we want to look at um so our actual new standardized kpis were, were really only released probably this financial year, but we're in the making with him and our brand directors for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time we've had standardised KPIs across our whole business that go top down for the first time in 12 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that data shared with the team, the individual teams? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's quite transparent. Like, yeah, so it's our CRO sends out yeah. reports, so he sent out. Yeah. So again, it's this, because that was what the business asked us. Um, so what I love about Austin Fraser is they listen to the feedback. So we do best companies to work for and we do our own engagement surveys and actually what's the company doing, what's our company performance has been kind of a, you know, we want to know the what's and all. Um, so we've started to deliver new sales reports actually that, so our CRO did the first one last month. Last month, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think we've got things like end of month meetings where we'll, we'll mm. present like what team's done what because there's a little bit of competition. Everyone wants to, yeah. you know, be up there really. So it's just good from a trans- transparency yeah. perspective yeah. and performance perspective. And the relatively yes. new report is contribution, isn't it? Which yeah. showed each individual team and what percentage they can tr- contribute to the whole business, which I thought was really nice. In a leaderboard. Yeah, well, kind of, kind of. It was a leaderboard, but yeah. <laughs> it was a leaderboard. Uh, we have a question from Liam. Um, is the relationship between sales, product, and operations crucial? If so, what's the best way to unite these teams? Now, does that make sense? Can you read it? So, sales, product, and operations. It, 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 it so may product, be So, connecting sales, which is also, which are also your people, and then operations and your product, it's kind of all the same thing with you guys. I mean, people as in. Mm-hmm. Our internal staff, or no, I think our, well, like it, so, sales team, and then I guess product. I'm interpreting that as, as our candidate, as our candidate. Ah, okay, That's cool, yeah. So, or or is Liam? Do you mean as in our tools, <laughs> like the products we're working on, or do you actually mean the people? Mm. Um, Let's give Liam a chance to clarify. If not, we'll try and tackle it after the final sure. question. So, okay. um, who has taught you the most about sales operations? This is also an interesting question. Mm. So, like when I um, when we sort of first started this, yeah, um, and I didn't actually officially work for you, I worked for our director of people and culture. Mm. I had like a little internal source of frustration because I couldn't actually share my experiences with anyone um, because the you know, I've had a, you know great been very lucky to work for some really great sales managers, some great people directors, and I've learned a lot through those through those kind of relationships. But no one's done no one's done sales ops in our business, so mm. you kind of think about a problem and no one can necessarily answer it. So. Yeah. That's when I kind of started looking 
out for communities and that's mm-hmm. where I found the like sales ops network yeah. that's where I found your podcast yeah, yeah. um I said what I do is always kind of connect with the individual follow the company yeah and then I see lots of content and that yeah. kind of content mm-hmm. and reading piece is a good validation for me and going to those events so don't thanks. say Henry there don't say Henry we learned from Henry <laughs> yes. we actually and then meet up yeah he Henry. told us to come on oh, it? <laughs> it was yeah. his fault oh, yeah. Fair enough. yeah that's good yeah he, yeah I remember um and how about you Kim does all that and tells me. Uh, she kind she summarizes. Like, so come so, along, yeah. come along. I can, I tend to just um, <laughs> so this is why we're here is because I'll, I'll be really honest. I've, I've never done sales operations. Mm. I've kind of um, I've gone full circle. So before joining sales, I was actually an actuarial assistant, and before that was a fund administrator many many moons ago. Uh-huh. So I kind of got out of data, and now I feel like I've fallen back into it. Yeah, but I kind of just. Um, I'm really driven by my gut and I will get it if I, I'll just go and find it. I'll just go and find the answer. I use Google a lot um, and just reading books. And a lot yeah. you've recommended to me book-wise. Yeah. Um, I think what's been really refreshing though is that kind of every meetup that we've gone to or things that we've maybe read or heard, it, it, is it in line with how we feel? Yeah. So it's more of like a validation piece. It's oh. like, okay, we're not just making it up. We are talking yeah. some sort of sense. It's not just like up here. Yeah. <laughs> I think listening to some of the sales ops podcasts that we've done previously, it was yeah. really refreshing. I was like, yeah, we are totally doing the we're right on the thing. Path. We're on <laughs> okay. the right path. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we just, we should keep going with this. This is, this is definitely what we should be doing as business. So, yeah. um, but, so, yeah, so basically you you are our source yeah, of development no, thanks so much no pressure <laughs> i mean but clearly the business also values it as well because you have funding signed off for a department that never existed before yeah and i think if you you know if you were to look at it in simple terms we've been a sales operations department and not necessarily done sales operations but mm. i think what is really great about kind of our relationship with how we work is that as Nella was saying earlier we've got what 16 years between us at Austin Fraser. We know the business like the back of mm-hmm. our hand, like we've experienced different areas yeah. of the business. So I think it really is about knowing the business, knowing the culture, and then fitting the pieces yeah. into the puzzle, which we're really, really good at. So yeah. and we're um, also really comfortable at having difficult conversations. So to get that backing to have this department, I stood there and said, for you to achieve the aggressive growth plans you've got, you cannot do it on gut feel. You need to do it on data-driven decisions and you need to be able to have access to that data mm-hmm. and and actually you, it, it's just not sustainable like i we are amazing and the success we've had not me as a medium <laughs> as a business <laughs> we're amazing too, we're that too yeah. uh, austin fraser is amazing and i think if we have got to where we've got on the 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 systems as they are yeah. like if we can literally just clean them up a little bit and have a, a already like kim's improved our configuration massively mm. um so we can pull out more information i just think if we've done that in such a short period of time i'm like i'm i'm so excited to yeah, see where we can go yeah. with a sales ops function um i guess testament to, to kim's work for the first time in the seven years we've had insight squares of the idol our ceo logged into it <laughs> and he actually used it and he didn't use his own method of reading counting deal emails <laughs> he actually used the the dashboard that kim set up for him yeah. so i'm like if you can yeah, culturally change the mindset of the founder and ceo yeah. you're nailing it yes kim <laughs> yeah so i just think yeah okay cool guys thank you so much for coming on that was pretty long one of the longest but no that was good we like to talk and there's two of us so it's okay um <laughs> yeah any fine, well actually one more question you mentioned a book like have you I actually couldn't find any books really around sales operations. Or um, is it, it was a book like 
So I, it's not necessarily a sales operations book. I think mm. for me, I take a lot of learning from different perspectives. Books. Yeah. Okay. So one of the ones I've been reading is a book by uh, Beth Comstock. It's called Imagine It Forward. She's, oh. Beth Comstock was um, the ex-CMO of GE. Okay. So like the whole book's around like her innovation journey and lots of bits and pieces. Really, really good book. Yeah. I recommend it. Nice. Um, and it talks about change. Yeah. Which fundamentally is a lot of what we do. So I appreciate sales ops functions are different in every business. Ours is about bringing change. Positive change. Yeah. Woo! And on that note, we will end the webinar. Thanks Bye. very much, guys. <laughs> Bye, Liam. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.